So we just uh, thank God for this opportunity to come and study His Word together. The Bible says that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's why when God called me to preach when I was a teenager, and, and I said, Lord, I, I don't know Your Word well enough to teach it. I knew a scripture that said, better to have a millstone tied around my neck and to be cast into the sea than to, to be a stumbling block or lead one astray. So I knew there was a huge responsibility. So uh, I, I said, you know, I know I need to go study your word. So I went to Bible college for four years, and, and a lot of the, the students that were at Bible college, they were there looking for a wife or looking for a husband. And, um, and they just, it was what? Bridal college, okay. <laughs> and, they were, and I think some of the parents were behind that thinking, you know, if they go to a Bible college, they're going to find a good spouse. And so it was bridal college. But, you know, I, I just never got caught up in that because I said, and, and I used to sometimes be joked. They said, you're just too serious. You're too serious. But I knew I, have, I had a calling of God on my life and a responsibility that I had to know the Word of God. I could not lead anyone astray. For 17 years, I'd gone to a church, a very traditional church, and, and, and go into that church uh, for some reason the truth never was fully communicated to me and I did not know that I could have this personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and be empowered by His presence and anointed by His Spirit and, and have a source on earth to, to, uh, to live this life for Him. It wasn't all just for heaven. I didn't know that. And because of the troubling circumstances I was in, it led me to the place, as, as I've shared so many times in my testimony, the enemy just said, you'd be better off dead. There's no better, nothing gets better. It only gets worse from here. And I bought that lie, and the enemy tried to take me out through suicide. After that, I saw an intervention, as I've shared with you, a hand of God came through the car and, 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 and spared my life. And uh, the next Sunday... Uh, I tell my mom as we leave in that church, there's, gotta, there's more than this. I can tell you, I couldn't tell her why I knew, but I'd seen a miracle. I'd seen a hand come through the roof of my car and save my life. And, and I knew it wasn't crazy. I knew that I had experienced that. And uh, fortunately, the next the Sunday after that, she goes to another church and we go in and the pastor says, you know, let's turn to Isaiah 41.10. This was not what I'd planned on, but the Spirit of God is leading me. And, and he starts preaching on the right hand of God, which is mighty to save. And he started going through the scripture, showing where the right hand of God uh, is referenced in bringing salvation and, and deliverance to his people throughout the Bible. And every time he would do that and talk about his right hand, I'm sitting there as a 17-year-old, two weeks before, tried to buy the lie of the enemy and, and, and kill himself. Grew up in church every Sunday, except maybe a few in the summer when we were camping and, uh, and I, I was exposed, but I didn't, I was not changed. I didn't know the truth. And, uh, and he's talking about this right hand, and I do my hand up, and I, the thumb, my thumb, I said, you know what, that was a right hand. So I was convinced and still am that that was the hand of God and spared my life. So my quest since then, when God called me to preach, was to, to know the truth uh, so that I could not only know the truth and be free myself, but that I could share the truth with others that they could hear and understand God's Word and, and how God works so that they too could have their lives so empowered like mine. Because God is so good. He is amazing. And He is powerful. 
And He is loving. And He is forgiving. And He cares about us. He cares about you where you're at. So I went to, to bridal college and skipped the bridal part and went to Bible study and did my, my learning, my Greek and my Hebrew and some Latin. And uh, then I go from Bible college on to Erskine Seminary uh, down in Due West, South Carolina, and I'm working on a master's degree. I traveled up here and stood on the property at Regent University, at CBN University, I believe at the time. And as I was standing there saying, Lord, you've, you've just done a beautiful work here. I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, you will finish your degree here. And uh, I didn't know how. I didn't have any funding. And I definitely wasn't going to go into student loan debt and stuff of such. So I, uh, so I said, I don't know how you're going to do it, God. But I said, I've got faith to believe if you'll provide me a, a house or a place to live, a room, I, I, I believe I can, I can do the rest. If you'll just provide that, I'll move here. And uh, long story short, you know that I got contacted and um, it was probably a year, year and a half later, I got contacted and they said there's a church boarded up sitting in the middle of a mud hole. Um, and there's an old house sitting on the property. I don't know if it's livable, but it maybe needs some work. But it's only three miles from Regent University. And I got so excited. And we came here and ran the raccoons and the squirrels and the chipmunk, not the chipmunks, but the possums and the snakes and rodents and all that was in that building and, uh, and started a work there 25 years ago. And what, two Sundays ago, we celebrated our 25th anniversary and our dedication all on, and I just don't think this is coincidence, it all transpired, our 25th anniversary and our building dedication all happened on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Wow. Now, 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 if you understand my life, I grew up in a church that was anti-Pentecost. I don't understand how you can do that when the church was birthed on Pentecost Sunday, when Peter is preaching and 3,000 are saved, it's the birthday of the church uh, that God initiated. Jesus told them to tarry until they received power because they needed his power in order to operate and, and advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, fulfilling the prayer, the Lord's prayer that he taught us. I don't know why, but I grew up in a church that was scared. And, and they probably were scared of Pentecost because they'd seen some extremes or they'd heard some stories or they probably hadn't properly studied the Word of God. So going to Erskine Seminary, uh, Holmes Bible College, coming here to Regent University and then going on with a PhD at Trinity has given me an opportunity to study and to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament in its original language for the sole purpose, for the sole purpose of why we're here tonight is to be able to share the Word of God prayerfully with the anointing of God that it comes alive, that you understand it, that you're not me at that 17-year-old boy that's going through a religious routine, but your life is not being empowered. You're going through a religious uh, treadmill, but you're not going anywhere. And you were created to go places. You were created with purpose and destiny. And I just pray that the Lord would use me tonight to bring understanding and, uh, and to challenge us with the Word of God so that we could say, God, this is your Word, and we're not going to deny your Word. We don't care what religious traditions are doing. We want you, God. Isn't, isn't that your heart's cry? God, we want you, and we want your truth. We will know your truth, and your truth will set us free. 
So, Lord, we just come to you tonight to study your word, and we pray that a miracle would take place here, a miracle of understanding, a miracle of understanding. Jesus, you said if we did not understand the parable of the sower and the seeds, then we would not understand your kingdom and how you work. And the sower sowed the seed, and the birds of the air came and devoured the seed. Jesus, you said the seed was your word, and the birds were able to steal the part of seed they stole because there was a lack of understanding. The word touched their life, but it didn't change their life. We pray tonight, God, for a spirit of understanding, that we would understand your word. And we know, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You will teach us and lead us into all truth. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you, the author of this Bible, who is present here with us and in us, would lead us into all truth for your glory and for your honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, last Wednesday night, we are talking about as in this theme of the Feast of Pentecost, celebrating the day of Pentecost, celebrating this feast and this season, the final of the feast for the spring season until the fall season comes, and God had set up some fall feasts that we'll be looking at. But with this Feast of Pentecost that was the birth of the church, was the outpouring of the Spirit of God that not only dwelt on men but in men, uh, uh, and that's how the church is to be birthed, that we are to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says our body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we want the Holy Spirit to have His rule and reign in and through us. And what I was talking about was some amazing benefits of a Holy Spirit-empowered life. There are amazing benefits. And I dealt with seven, and uh, there's, there's many, many more. I mean, you could write volumes of books on this, but let us just kind of review those, uh, and then I want us to go a little deeper than that. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, he said, you shall receive what? Power. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I need you to tarry in Jerusalem. The next phase, the church phase, he said, is coming. And as the church uh, era is coming, he says, it's going to be birth." with power. You can't do it with man's reasoning. You cannot do it with the, the strength of the arm of the flesh. This has to be done by the power of my spirit. So tarry in Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, as he's ascending into heaven. You, can you imagine the very last words they hear from Jesus as he's disappearing in the clouds? They're hearing him say, I need you to wait for the power. And when the power comes, he said, you're going to be able to advance my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So you'll receive power. So God's heart is for us to be empowered, is for you and me to be empowered. We're still a part of the church age, and until Jesus takes us home, raptures us up, we know that we've got a purpose and a destiny that we are called to, and we cannot do it in our own strength in our own wisdom, and in our own might. We have to tarry, we have to receive, we have to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And this word power is a Greek word dunamis, we get our word dynamite. So, so it's not just a, a, a calm, cool, collected, uh, inner strength that he's talking about. 
He's talking about some dynamite that can move some obstacles out of the way, that can plow a road ahead and take us into the destiny that God has for us. Just like on the day of Pentecost, there was power, there was dynamite where those 3,000 were saved on that day and have been added to the church daily every since. So, so power, God created us to operate in power. That's why when you see one, the top of man's desire and pursuit is they're after power. It's not more money. It's not uh, uh, for the satisfaction of the flesh. It's not for fame. It's not for position. You get behind the pursuit of mankind, and it is after power. And I believe it's because God created us to operate in power, and the enemy has come in, and he has twisted it to try to get us to seek uh, ungodly uh, uh, strength and ungodly wisdom and ungodly power to do advance the kingdom of darkness. But if we, the church, if we would open ourselves up and say, God, I want to live my life empowered by your presence and empowered by your spirit, I know what God will do in you and through you. Did you know every negative emotion that we face in our lives comes from a sense of powerlessness? For example, if we feel that we don't have the power to change something, we, we lose hope, and when we lose hope, depression, a spirit of depression will come in. And then a sense of hopelessness will also lead to a sense of a living death or one that wishes to be dead. If we don't have the power to reconcile a relationship, it can lead to bitterness. We've, I've done counseling for 30 years, and I find that when there's this root of bitterness, I, I, I come in and say, I try to discover what relationship or relationships have not been reconciled. There's something there that is causing this bitterness, and surely it is always there. If we don't have the power to get ahead, uh, it opens up for a spirit of jealousy to come in, and we start wanting to tear everybody else down with our words and actions because they're getting ahead because we feel like we can't get ahead. Well, let me tell you what God is no respect for persons. What God will do in my life, God wants to do in your life. Let me tell you what God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for each and every one of us. He has called us. He, is, he wants to empower us. And he wants to guide us and direct us to fulfill that. Praise God. Now, my, my purpose and destiny will be somewhat different from yours, but I won't find satisfaction in fulfilling your destiny as you will not find satisfaction in fulfilling my destiny. We have to fulfill what God has created for us. Amen? So that is so important. So I want us to look at the benefits of having the, the presence of the Spirit of God free to flow in and through us. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we're to be careful not to quench the Holy Spirit. He tells us that uh, in Thessalonians, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And I think in Ephesians, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So if we quench the Holy Spirit, the word quench actually means it's like the old time farmers uh, when the barn was on fire. They would get their buckets of what? Water. And they would try to put out or oust or douse the fire. So it's the same, same word in the Greek. It is like taking buckets of water and trying to oust the fire uh, and quench the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not do that. Uh, and he tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve an it so, the it, so the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's the third person of the Godhead. So we don't talk about the Holy Spirit as an it. We talk about him as the third person of the Godhead. Amen? 
So, uh, so here, let's just a quick review of just some of the blessings that come when we live a Holy Spirit-empowered life. The first one is it invites the blessing of God in your house. Where the Spirit of God is, is the presence of God. And we looked in 2 Samuel with Obed-Edom's house where David was, King David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant that, that, that brought in the presence of God. And through the circumstances of it tilting over on the ox cart and all of that and the man touching it and, dying, and David's upset and he says, send, a, send a, the Ark of the Covenant into Obed-Edom's house. So there it goes into Obed-Edom's house and David goes on back to Jerusalem. He gets word that Obed-Edom's house is being blessed. It's being blessed. It's Obed-Edom's house. <clears throat> Is getting better and better. And he's like, wait a minute. I know what it is. It's because he has the presence of the Lord there. So then he goes and, and he gets the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where he takes like 16 or 18 steps. And he sacrifices uh, unto the Lord. And he's dancing. And, and he goes 16 or 18. I mean, it was like a, a, an overkill, really, of David trying to show the Lord, I am so sorry. We need your presence. And we're going to celebrate your presence and that's when his wife, you know, uh, Michal, she was upset when he comes in and he has his royal robes and all up and he's dancing. And remember that takes place. Well, that's all here because where the presence of the Lord is, there is the blessing of God. So when we don't quench the Holy Spirit, we don't grieve the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead in and through me. We have the presence of God in us. Paul says in Corinthians that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we want to welcome the Holy Spirit in us. So we have the presence of God in us who brings the blessing of God in our house. Praise God. Second one is it opens up fellowship with God. In Exodus 25, 22, God was saying, and there I will meet you and I will speak with you. There, the Ark of the Covenant again, that was housing, you might would say, or representing the presence of God. And now we are the temple, and the Ark of the Covenant is in us. The Word is in us. The Spirit of God is in us. And God wants to fellowship with you. God doesn't want you to get all of your learning about Him on the outside. He wants you to listen on the inside for Him to speak to you and for you to speak to Him as well. Opens up fellowship with God. Third thing is we receive supernatural guidance from God. That God will guide us. Paul says, I, 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 in my mind, wanted to go here, but the Spirit of God directed me otherwise. And, and had Paul violated the will of God and gone anyway, he would have not had the effectiveness as to going where the Spirit of the Lord led him. And we could go through his missionary journeys and show you how the Spirit of God led him and, and how the gospel literally uh, went to the people groups that would eventually go all over the world because of his Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit wants to help you. We all have decisions that we have to make. We all have plans that we have to make. And he wants to be a part of that. And how cool is it when you have the Holy Spirit as your GPS? I, I trust Siri most of the time. Sometimes she, she gets me places. I'm like, you messed up here, girl. I don't, know, I don't know who programmed you, but you messed up here. It must have been a cloudy day when the satellite was programming this route. But, uh, but I still trust her most of the time. We were down in one state, I forget, and it was telling me to, she was telling me to make a right turn, and it was dark, and I was coming out of a parking lot, and it says, make a right here, and I, I didn't even look up to see it was one lane, a very busy one lane, and I'm turning into the traffic uh, because I'm listening to her. You know, I got somebody to blame. <laughs> so I'm listening to her, 
And my other GPS, called Rodica, it's a Romanian version, sees the cars coming and says, no, don't go that way. And thank God the Romanian version was correct. And I listen, and, and uh, we, we're safe. Amen. But the Holy Spirit wants to be your GPS. The fourth one was, uh, when you live a Spirit-empowered life, it causes the hard to move mountains in your life to melt like wax, is what he tells us in 90, uh, Psalms 97 and 5. That the enemy's trying to set up roadblocks and the enemy's trying to put mountains before you and hinder you from going in and through your life. But he says that the Spirit of God, the presence of His Spirit, will cause those mountains to melt like wax. Anybody got any mountains of opposition, mountains of pain, mountains of setback? Let me tell you what. What you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to be, to be in me and to flow through me because I just want you to have your way. And let me tell you what, those mountains begin to melt like wax. Another one I love is in Psalm 16 and 11, in Psalms 21 and 6, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, He will usher in joy and laughter and pleasure from the Lord. Let me tell you what, some of the happiest people you'll ever meet are be people who have learned to in invite and live with the presence of God in and th flowing through them. Some of the crabbiest and meanest people you will meet are those that are on the religious treadmill in the name of God trying to do it, but they're frustrated and they're, and they're angry and they're just, they're like the Pharisees. They're trying to find fault and condemn and criticize and, and hurt and bag, and you stab you in the back. It's just mean-spirited, mean-spirited, like they wanted to crucify Jesus. They want to crucify you. Religious folks can be some of the meanest folks I've ever met in my life. But folks that are filled with the Spirit of God, who is not quenching the Spirit of God, they find joy and laughter and pleasure. Even in some of the worst of circumstances, you can't rob their peace. You can't steal their joy. Their circumstances may not be perfect, but you can't steal their joy. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. Some people have said to me, Pastor, you've gone through this building thing and I've not seen you in any uh, cantankerous way. And I said, me minus the Holy Spirit, I could pitch a fit better than a three-year-old at the checkout not getting the candy bar they want. Let me tell you. But with the Spirit of God in me and flowing through me, thank God He puts a smile on my face. He, he gives me joy and pleasure that I can't claim from my own strength. I know it comes from Him. Hallelujah. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's strength in that. Then there's your enemies will turn back and fall and perish. Thank God for that sixth one. That, that as the enemy, and believe you me, the, the devil's going to make sure he comes against you. But your enemies, when they come against you and you welcome the Holy Spirit, your enemies are going to turn back. They're going to fall and they're going to perish. Hallelujah. So you don't live in fear. You don't live cowering. You don't live. You live bold, going forth and fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. And then that seventh one we talked about last week was these times of refreshing and restoration that come from the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit knows how to restore you. The Holy Spirit knows how to bring refreshing into your life. Some of you need your strength restored. Some of you may need some muscle restored. Some of you may need some ligaments restored. Some of you may need an organ restored. Some of you may need a system in your body restored. Some of you may need some finances restored. There are times of refreshing and restoration they come when we welcome the Holy Spirit. 
because He brings that into our life. He works in us and through us to God's perfect will. Hallelujah. So we need to say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. So that's our review. Now I want to just share with you several uh, ways to release the power and the presence of God in your everyday life. Very simple, but they need to be done. Very simple, but we need to act upon these. Four very simple ways to release the power and presence of God in your everyday life. The first one is by our words. By our words. When he tells us not to oust the Holy Spirit or throw buckets of water on the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit's not going to override your will. God, is, God is, doesn't work that way. He does not force any of us to get saved. He doesn't force any of us to do anything. But let me tell you what, as the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, he, you can oust that flame of Him, as Paul talks about in Thessalonians. So we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit with our words. One way we can do that is with our words. When we say what is opposite to what God says. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, right? It is God-breathed. It is the Spirit of God that gives us the Word of God. So when we speak contrary to the Word of God, we are like ousting the Holy Spirit's fire and power to flow through us. And I've given you the example. We're created in the image of God, so we look at the reflective theology of understanding as we were created in the image of God. When God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that this earth was without form and it was void. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God hovered over this formless void earth, right? So that there, nothing is happening here, but there is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then God said words, said, let there be light. And then His Spirit took His words and brought forth the manifest of light. And in creation, you know, for the six days of creation, uh, we see that that's how God created. Now, Jesus said, what you've seen me do, you're going to be able to do, and even greater things you will do after you've received the Holy Spirit. So what we know is the Holy Spirit is in us, the presence of God, and He's partnering with the Word of God to bring forth the manifest of the will of God. So if we're saying words that don't line up with the Word of God, then we're not finding the Holy Spirit having words to bring forth manifest the will of God. So we're basically ousting or quenching the Holy Spirit. So we have to make sure our words line up with the Word of God. That's why I've been my life pursuit and still is to know God's Word. I don't, I don't care what someone else thinks they believe and grandpa and grandma pass that down. I want to know what God says in His Word so I can not say what grandma said and, and thank God for our praying grandmothers and grandfather. I'm, I'm not coming against that. But they may have missed it. They may have not had a full understanding or a full revelation. So why would we limit ourselves when God has given us the Word of God. And do you understand how much the enemy has tried to destroy the Word of God? Pastor Rodica comes from a country where Ceausescu, uh, what's his name? Ceausescu. I can't even roll my tongue that way, but uh, he said, we're going we're gonna to oust the country of Bibles. We're going to burn them or we're going to turn them to toilet paper. That was his two things he was going to do with the Word of God. Thank God in the early days of our church, 
uh, we were able to be a part of smuggling Bibles into Romania uh, in medical supplies. We were, we were smuggling little Bibles into Romania because we're like, you know, the devil doesn't want the word, but God wants the word to go forth. But uh, that's why we've seen uh, so many have been burned at the stake. So many have been uh, killed and martyred for trying to give us the Bible in our language because the devil does not want us to have the Word of God. Because if we have the Word of God and our words line up with the Word of God, now the, and we've welcomed the Spirit of God, now the Spirit of God can bring forth the creative force of heaven to be manifested in and through our lives. In Acts 10, 44, he says, while, he, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening. So there he is speaking the Word of God. As he's speaking the Word of God, the Holy Spirit in him from the day of Pentecost, where he had uh, said, welcome Holy Spirit, now the Spirit of God is taking those words and is literally changing the lives of the audience that Peter is speaking to. Their chains are falling off, their scales of their eyes are falling off, and they're able to see the truth. Well, that's not just for Peter. God used Peter, who's a cussing fisherman, so that you wouldn't feel disqualified. Come on now. Look at the disciples of all, I mean, of all background that he used so that all of us could identify and say, wait a minute, there's me. I, I'm that one. I'm that one. Uh, or, you know, I'm not as bad as that one, but boy, I'm, I'm right up here with this one. So that we'd all see that God uses people, people that are willing to surrender their lives to him and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then be filled with His presence, the presence of His Spirit, so that God has now a body to work through. Jesus said, I'm here as the body of Christ. His last name was not Christ. Christ is Christos. He's the anointed one. He says, I, I was here 33 and a half years as the body of Christ, carrying the anointing. But he said, you've got to tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued from on high with power because I'm transferring. You're going to become the body of Christ. That's why the church is called the ecclesia, the called out to call together body of Christ. And Paul talks about some of us are fingers and some of us are like knees and some of us are like toes, but we all jointed together make up the body. And he talks about in Ephesians how Jesus is the head of that body. So Jesus is the head of the church, the head of this body, but we are the body of the anointing now. And the anointing is not us. We carry the anointing which comes in and through the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to be spooked out over the Holy Spirit and shut the door and keep Him out in the backyard and afraid of Him. He is God. And when we say the words that line up with the Word of God and we're open to the Spirit of God, He flows through us let me tell you what, creative forces of heaven take place on earth. Praise God. So you got to watch your words. Boy, it got quiet. It's okay to say amen to truth. It's okay. Amen. We got to watch our words because your words could be ousting the fire and the power of the Spirit of God or encouraging like gasoline, or you want to throw gasoline on the fire if you want a bigger fire, or water on it if you want a bigger fire. We want a bigger fire. We want the power of God on earth. We need that. We need Him. The world is in trouble. 
Let me tell you what, the world is in trouble and there's an evil power that is uh, spreading, a wildfire that is spreading across our world. But let me tell you what, there's a greater fire and this fire doesn't destroy, but this fire brings forth the manifest of the will of God. Hallelujah. So we need the Holy Spirit. So we release the power and presence of the Holy Spirit by our words when our words line up with the Word of God. Another way we release the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is by obeying God. Oh, we're not going to get away from that. This, this is not a message that you can just live your life doing any old thing. It really doesn't matter. We need to live our lives in obedience to God. In Acts 5.32, he says, we are witnesses of this, these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. See, the Holy Spirit of God is not going to dwell in an unclean temple that says, I don't want the will of God, I want my will. I don't want to bless God, I want to be blessed. I don't want to live for God, I want to live it, my life, I want to do it my way, okay? Let me tell you what, you're not going to find the Spirit of God welcome in an environment like that. Because we're saying... God, get thee behind me. Rather than Satan, get thee behind me. We're saying, God, get thee behind me. I'm going to live my life my way. But when you see the folly in that, and you say, wait a minute. I am to declare with my lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. How are you saved? And that word saved, sozo, means to be healed, delivered, made whole, and saved even for eternity. So it's so much more than just going to heaven and thank God we're going to heaven, but it means the, there's a sozo salvation that can affect us here on this earth, that can knit us back together and make us whole here on earth. So how do you do that? He says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that word Lord means He rules and He reigns. That means I'm here to serve you, Jesus. I am no longer living my life for me. I'm living my life for you. I want to honor you. I want to fulfill the purpose of that which you've created me. So I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. And now, now you cannot, if he's not Lord over all, you know, they'll say, and he's not Lord at all. There's no medium, mediocre, lukewarmness in this relationship. So we have to come to him declaring he is Lord of our lives. And then... As we declare His Lordship of our life, confess that He is Lord, we have to believe from our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. So we see that we have to walk in obedience to God. Now let me tell you what. If you... How many of you have ever taken, um, let's say, a butter knife and used it as a screwdriver? Okay. How many of you have ever used a screwdriver and you flip the handle around and you use it as a hammer? Now, was any, any of those that effective? I've seen butter, I've eaten at people's house before that laid there and I saw the butter knife with a twist on the end. And I said, somebody used this for a screwdriver and they met some opposition and this thing was not forged to be able to handle that kind of pressure at that point. And I laughed, I laughed. And uh, so when you operate or use something according to how it was created to be used, it, everything works better. And the same is true with your life. For you to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain, as Paul said, 
Let me tell you what, is the best way you'll ever live. You'll find greater joy, greater satisfaction. It's not a killjoy life. See, I grew up and it's like obeying God was a difficult thing. Uh, obeying God, when I was younger, it was like, you're going to never have fun. You're gonna, you're, when I told my, some of my family I was called to preach, they said, are you crazy? You're going to be miserable. You're going to be, and they just, and I'm like, what? I couldn't understand that. But now I see they, there's this mindset that God's will for your life is contrary to how you were created, so it's going to be a miserable life. But let me tell you what, he's the one that breathed the breath of life in you. He's the one that knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He's the one that loves you more than any human being could ever love you. And he's created you with purpose and destiny. He knows what he's doing. They study the universe to the nth of, the, of, of every neuron and every proton and everything that they nucleus. They look at everything is there to support. And, and we breathe out carbon dioxide and we're breathing in oxygen and the trees are grabbing our, our, uh, what we're exhaling and giving back to us what we need to inhale. So God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing in your life. Come on now. So if you're going to surrender to him and obey him, and now he gives you his spirit to, so, because you're walking in obedience, because so, the power is, the Holy Spirit's power is the power of God to help ma- bring forth the manifest from heaven on earth, God's plan for your life. The miracles that need to be done for God's plan on your life. And if you're not going to walk in obedience to God, what do you need? The Holy Spirit who comes to empower us to fulfill God's plan for our life. So He gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. So obedience is very important. You should get up every day of your life and say, God, I'm here to live for you. Holy Spirit, I'm yours today. What are we going to do? You want me to go to the right? You want me to go to the left? You want Whatever you want me to do, let's do it. I'm here. I'm here for you. Get that mindset that you're living for God rather than having God try to make you have a good life. God, I want to live my life the way I want, and I just expect you to make it good. That's not how you're going to have a good life. You have a good life when you say, God, I know you've got a plan for me today, and I know you've got connections, divine connections today, and I know there's things that you want to accomplish, and here I am. Here's my hands and feet and mouth, and I, I want to live for you. And when you live that way, it's so exciting. Because it's like, it's, it's a forever adventure. Hallelujah. So obeying God. Another way for us to release His power and presence in our life is by giving. It's by giving. It's just like the world says, no, no, you're going you're gonna to suffer if you give. And God says, nope, nope, that's, that's a sign from earth to heaven that, that this, this vessel is ready. This vessel I can use. This vessel I can trust. In Acts 10, 3 and 4, he says, About the ninth hour of the day, Cornelius saw the, clearly a vision of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So the angel of God said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Wow. Here's Cornelius. He gets the attention of God through his prayers and his continual giving of alms. He got God's attention. That's what the angel said. God has been looking at you. God has been studying you because of your prayers and your alms that keep coming before him. Praise God. And it was through his giving 
Cornelius is giving that the gospel was brought to his household and then through his household to the non-Jewish community. That means you and I, we need to thank Cornelius that he wasn't stingy. We are to thank Cornelius that he was not, he didn't fail in his prayers. He was praying and he was giving and he got the attention of God and God sends an angel to tell him about it. Praise the Lord. And it was in this chapter where Cornelius became the first Gentile believer to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the power, the first Gentile. Now here we are, open and, and receptive to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God, all because this guy opened the gate. He opened the way for us as a result of his prayers and his giving. Praise God. I love it that God hasn't made it so complicated that, that none of us could ever figure it out. It's very simple. It's very simple. And it's at the heart of it, relational. So when we give, the Bible says, we should give as unto the Lord. I've heard somebody say before, well, I gave such and such, and, and, and that gives me uh, control and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, where does that come from? You know, the Bible says when we give, we give as unto the Lord. Somebody, I know at one time there was uh, this uh, family that came to me and they had been part of a ministry and unfortunately the ministry had uh, gotten off track and uh, it, was sad, it was a sad story. And they said to me, all that I've given to that ministry is in vain. I said, why do you say that? Because they got off track. I said, you don't know the word. I said, let me tell you what, the devil's trying to rob and steal from you right now. I says. What you gave, did you give it to a man or did you give it to the Lord? Oh, we gave it to the Lord. And I says, that man will be held accountable. Let me tell you what, I would not want to be in their shoes. But that's, that's between them and God. But as you gave, you gave as unto the Lord. And you don't need to let the devil rob that from you. And they said, I never thought of it that way. So I showed them in the scripture that what we do, we do as unto the Lord. And they're like, yes, there's word to back it up. Go ahead, Pastor Tim. <laughs> so so uh, we need to know that when we give, we're not giving. See, the world will give kind of like playing uh, chess. The world will give and do something what looks like nice to you, but they may be looking at a move beyond and how they can leverage this thing so that now you can help them. There's always something behind it. There's always a string attached. Let me tell you what. When I found that was God, when I give unto God, I, I just give it unto Him. He takes it and He does this miracle. He calls it a law of reciprocity. Uh, he does this miracle. And he, and he t says unto us that whatever we give, he says, will be given back to us, what? Good measure. Now, we're not giving it to get it back, but God says, this is just how my kingdom works. He says, it'll come back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Wow. So I'm giving a seed and our crop of corn, a stalk that has all these ears of corn, that has all these kernels of corn, more is coming back than went out. And I'm like, wow. So this old saying, you can't outgive God. You ever heard that before? It's true. It is true. And I love it because I thank God. One of the gifts that He has given me is a gift of giving. 
And I love to give. I love to give. I get so excited with opportunities to give. When we are we're, we're wrapping up the, the finalization of this building and, uh, and, and, and paying off our contractor, I love that. I love that. Because I know that this building and this property has been dedicated for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And if the Lord should tarry years after I'm even gone, the work of God will still continue here. How exciting is that? And then the next day we're to find out that what we've been praying for for 25 years, even though we could have let it wait for another year, comes on the market. And we don't need anybody else to get it because, you know, if we let somebody else get it, then, that, then we don't have it. And uh, so it's like, okay. And the first thought was, what are we going to do? And then this thing began to bubble up inside of me saying, more opportunity to give. And I find that you just can't outgive God. I just love it. I love it. Uh, I used to try to be the only one that gave because I just wanted to be, the, be blessed. I just thank you, Lord. It's just so good to give. And God said, you got to chill out. And because I want others, you can be the example and you can lead the way. But he said, but I want my whole family to be uh, enjoying the, the reciprocity of, of my law and my kingdom. So, so you got to lead by example, but don't take the whole thing. So I know there's things that have come up before and I said, oh, you know, Pastor Dick, we can take care of this. And your church never even needs to know about that need. And that thing comes back and says, that's not, this isn't to be a one man thing. Don't get all selfish in the release of the presence and the power of God flowing through you. Because every time we give sacrificially, something else opens up to us. And some people have come to me and say, you've got so much going on. How in the world can you do it? And it's like the more that God gives us, the easier it, easier it gets. I'm like, whoa, only God could do that. Because if I was taking on more in my strength, I would be burnt out. But it's like it gets easier and easier. Praise God. So you can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. You can trust Him in your giving. You can trust that God will work in you and through you. Because if He can, if He can, you know, I think Pastor Radika was saying this uh, last Sunday, maybe it was, you know, if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. Hallelujah. So let's just be uh, instruments of righteousness that God can use us in anything He wants. Remember going back to that obedience. And, and in obedience, there's times the Lord told me, you don't give it all on this one. You don't give it all. Let somebody else enjoy the blessing in this as well. And with the gift of giving, it's hard to receive because you know the blessing in giving. But so others can't in, get the blessing of giving if somebody's not receiving. And I told you my story how I used to travel the roads and just live on love offerings, preaching revivals. And I was actually in here at the Red Roof Inn on Greenbrier. It was brand new at that time, 20 what, 26, 27 years ago, and, uh, and I was staying there, and the, the gentleman after the church, their pastor was gone, and there was no pastor there. They brought me into a revival. It was kind of all confused and discombobulated, if that's a word, and uh, so no one gave me any money after the thing was over, and I came on faith, and I've got empty pockets, and this one young gentleman invited me, called me up in my room, and invited me to the uh, Hardee's, I think it was, over off of Indian River, and uh, I mean Military Highway in Greenbar in that area. And uh, it was a Hardee's or McDonald's, I don't remember one of those. And he drove up in a little orange escort. Remember those orange escorts, you know? And uh, he drove up in that, and we, he bought me a biscuit, and afterwards we walk outside, and he said, here, uh, and he hands me $100. And 
I love giving, and it's hard for me to receive, and, and, and I'm just like, I always just had this kind of default. No, no, you don't have to do that, no. And they say, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, take it. You don't steal my blood. Okay, okay, I take it. Well, the Lord was teaching me a lesson here because that was pride. And he says, here, you know, I just feel led to give you this. And he hands me a $100 bill. And I said, oh, no, you don't have to do that. And he says, okay. And he put it back in his pocket. And he got in that little orange escort and he drove off. And here I am without money to get back to South Carolina where I was living at. And the Lord says, uh-huh, you're going to learn your lesson here. You, and here it is 27 years later and I'm still talking about it because I learned my lesson there. Amen. Because uh, giving has to be, the whole body has to be able to give. And, and so we, we want to participate in that. But he says that uh, your prayers and your alms came up before, as a memorial before God. And then the final uh, one, there's others, but the final one, how to release his power and presence is by praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Now I know the, 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 the real stiff churches that I grew up in is going to say, now nah, we don't, we don't want to hear this fourth point. But let me tell you what, this was the part I was missing that had me living such a powerless life because I didn't understand. I was listening to what man was saying rather than what the Word of God was saying. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says to the New Testament, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. So we see that there's this communication that God has set up between man and God for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries or his secret counsels of God is what that word mysteries means. You speak secret counsels of God. It's like you're sitting down in a private counseling session with God and he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men, but he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So, so this isn't something that we need to be afraid of when he uses the word edify. That's a Greek word that means it builds you up. It strengthens you. It makes you stronger. It makes you better. It makes you more whole. So there is an edification in our lives that take place when we speak in tongues, it edifies him, and he who prophesies edifies the church. In other words, if I'm bringing a message to you, and I was to bring a prophetic word to you, you would understand what I'm saying, and that would bring edification to you. But when I'm praying in the Spirit, there's the mysteries, these count, secret counsels of God that are taking place that is building me up, that is strengthening me in my, in my inner man as well. And... Uh, that's why Paul talks about with the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about if someone speaks in tongue as a message to the congregation, it needs an interpretation because otherwise it would just no one would know what, what was being said. So there needs to be an interpretation if it's coming as a message to the congregation. And, uh, and then this mystery that Paul says is that tongues with interpretation to, to a congregation is for the unbeliever. Wow. And a prophecy would be to the believer. So someone's prophesying in, in the language of the people. They're like, yes, that's what God is saying. And they receive it and they're edified by it and they're encouraged by it. But if someone's speaking in tongues with an interpretation as a message to the congregation then he says that is for the unbelievers. So I, it's like God understands human nature better than me. Undoubtedly, that, that witness of the miracle, of the language taking place like that, gets their attention, and they receive that message from God. I, I'm not arguing with God. Uh, I'm just saying, Lord, that, that's kind of odd because usually 
in the Pentecostal circles, they try to want to have a calmer service when there's a lot of unbelievers there because they're scared they'll, they'll scare them off. I've heard them say that before. We're scared we'll scare them off, you know. And uh, when really and truly, the way God has set it up, tongues with interpretation would be for the unbeliever and undoubtedly to get their attention. And then in the uh, church of Corinth, they were so excited about bringing messages in tongue uh, with interpretation that it was never allowing room even for preaching. And Paul had to say, now we've got to limit this to two or three at the most uh, messages in tongue with interpretation in one gathering. And uh, so, so we see that there is some exercise of our control over how we let the Holy Spirit flow through us and how we don't. But don't miss the point where he is saying this is for you and God between you and it edifies you. He says in Romans 8.26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he's saying as we are praying in the Spirit, we are speaking to God. That's what we see the Scripture saying. And that the Holy Spirit is strengthening, strengthening us. No wonder the enemy wants to cause confusion in this area because he does not want your inner man strengthened by the Spirit of God. He, the devil would rather you try to operate in your own strength and become a religious person because they become bitter and angry and gossip and they just oh, mean-spirited because they're trying to do something outside of their ability and, uh, and, and, and that gives a worse witness for the church. I've had people tell me, I'm not going to church. Nope, I'm not going to church. I said, why won't you go to church? I'm not going to church with all those hypocrites. You know, that, that's kind of the big saying, all those hypocrites. I said, well, I'd rather go to church with them than go to hell with them, you know. And, uh, and let's just, let's get over that. But I understand, I understand what they're saying because religious folks that are operating in their own strength other than the strength and the, and the peace and the joy and the, and the love of the Holy Spirit because you remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, and patience and all of those fruit, they're the fruit of the Spirit. So where the Holy Spirit is free to flow and we're not quenching Him, there's going to be love and joy and kindness and peace and patience, you know, all of those fruit, because patience is not something I can do, it's the fruit of the Spirit of God. Kindness is not what I can do, it's the fruit of the Spirit of God. So you can see religious folks who quench the Holy Spirit, they don't have access to kindness and goodness and mercy and patience. And they can be some of the religious. They can quote the word while they cut you. They can quote the word while they stab you. They can quote the word while they burn you at the stake, right? Because that fruit of the Spirit is not there. So when we're praying in the Spirit, we are releasing the presence and the power of the Spirit of God flowing through us. We are speaking to God, and the Holy Spirit is strengthening us, strengthening us edifies us. Uh, I actually have that Greek word. I don't know if I put it, I don't think I put it on the slide. Uh, okadome, uh, which means to build up, to restore, to repair, to make whole, to make joyful, to make happy, to make strong. That's what's happening in you when you're praying in the Spirit. And, uh, and, and what a beautiful recharge opportunity that we have. Praise God. 
The will of God in heaven penetrates and invades the earth as we pray in our heavenly language. Praise God. Think of it that way. That the will of God penetrates and invades the earth as we pray in our heavenly language. Now, here's, here's kind of, I want to wrap things up, but I, this here to me was a revelation that just, my goodness, I just shouted a little while over it. You know, you ever get some good stuff and you're like, whoa, God, that is amazing stuff. That's awesome. That's some good steak. Man, let's just, just savor it. Don't chew fast. Chew it slow. That thing is good. Okay, let me share that good morsel that I got, okay? You remember when God put Adam and Eve in the garden and they walked with God and they talked with God every day? Uh, do you think maybe they were talking in that heavenly language? Okay, uh, I think probably so. And you know the story, they sinned and, and then the whole earth is filled with sin and God starts all over with who? Noah and his family, right? And uh, they come off of, out of the ark and God tells them, he says, I want you to go and multi be, multiply and, and be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth, he tells them. I want you to fulfill the whole earth. Well, we get to Genesis 11 and we find they come to this valley of Shinar and when they get to this valley there, they're like, you know what? Everything is so great here. It is lush, it is plush, it is plentiful. Everything is a blessing here. We're going we're gonna to just camp here and not go any further. And I know conviction came in and said, God said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Don't stop right here. So we know what they did in response to that conviction, rather than repenting, they said, we'll make a way of escape. So they all got together and they began to build this what? This tower. The Tower of Babel is called. So they're building this tower. And then when we get to Genesis uh, 11 verse 5 says the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. So now this thing got God's attention. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are all they're one and they all have one language. And that is what they began to do. Now, look at what God says. And now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Because they're one, and they have this one language, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So what does he say in verse 7? He said, come let us, and there's, that, there's us there. That means we see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We see the Holy Spirit's right there as well. They go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Get it now? God says nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them because they are one and they have this one language. So nothing they propose to do will be withheld. And that's powerful. Coming from God's mouth, that's what God is saying. It was like God was saying, we better take this language away from them because with this language, all things are possible to them. Now, now please hear me. If it is possible for us to, uh, that if you will use this language, that, that when you pray, by the Spirit of God, that nothing would be withheld from you, would you be more encouraged to pray in the Spirit than you do now? Yes. We know this was this one language was not Hebrew because we don't have Abraham on the scene yet. We don't have his descendants and the nation of Israel. So we know it wasn't Hebrew. 
It's not given a name. It was just a language that God spoke with Adam and Eve and then with uh, Noah. When he came and he spoke to Noah and told him to build the ark, there's a language there, this one language. And now God says, we've got to come in and we've got to split this up. And, and he focused on, that's why it's called the Tower of Babel, because they began to speak other languages and they couldn't understand each other. So the ones that could understand each other separated and they went on to the four corners of the earth and fulfilled the earth like God had told them to do. Okay? I say this. When you pray in the Spirit, you're not praying a soulish prayer. A soulish prayer is a prayer that comes out of our soulish realm where our mind and our will and our emotions are. And how many of you know you could be praying for something and if you can't see the end of it, it may not be the best thing for you. How many of you have ever prayed for something and then eventually that didn't work out and something else worked out and you're glad that didn't work out? How many of you in school one day, way back then, prayed for this one to be your, your, your spouse and uh, it didn't work out. Somebody else swept them off of their feet and it didn't work out. But now you look at their lives and you look at what God's done and you're like, whoo, thank you, God. I'm glad that prayer didn't get answered. Amen. But when you're letting the Spirit of God pray through you, you're going beyond the soulish realm into the spirit realm because we're spirit, soul, and body. And now the spirit realm is opening up the release of the power and the presence of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. I say let your spirit cooperate with the Spirit of God to pray prayers over your marriage, to pray prayers over your children, to pray prayers over your health. There's things in my body that may have been off course I didn't even know about, but the Holy Spirit dwelling in me knows about it. And as I'm praying in the Spirit, he's, remember Paul says, making these groanings that, that we can't even give words to, we can't give utterance to, but there is the, the, this, this heavenly language. Now, it is a language, so a language, like every language, has to be learned. Just like a baby saying, yeah, all of our babies said daddy first, dada, dada, because I wanted them, I was going dada, dada, and then I heard it's easier for babies to go dada rather than mama, but, you know, that was just my silliness. And... Uh, <laughs> And now they, they speak fluently, sometimes too much. It's like, whoa, that's a lot of talking going on. Yeah, come on now. So, so uh, this language is we pray in the Spirit. I, I pray in the Spirit over our marriage. I pray in the Spirit over our children. I pray in the Spirit over my health. I pray in the Spirit over my family, over my finances. See, the Holy Spirit knows more about finances than I do. The Holy Spirit knows more about investment than I do. The Holy Spirit knows more about advancement than I do. I pray in the Spirit over our city. I pray over the Spirit over our, our, our nation because I want God's will to be done on earth. Not man's will, but God's will. Hallelujah. But God said this, nothing, nothing they proposed to do would be withheld from them because they got this one language. So all of the people acting out of their soulish desire, they were disobeying God and they were building this tower. They wanted to stay in the Valley of Shinar. They wanted the easy life or what they thought was the easy life. And God takes this one language away from them and gives them differing languages. Now, do you believe that's what God wanted for the rest of time? Exactly. Because, watch this. He had a prophet stand up one day and this prophet Zephaniah you can find it in Zephaniah 3 and 9, this prophet stood up one day and says, here's what God is saying. I will restore to the peoples 
which means the nations, I will restore to all peoples a pure language that they may all call on the name of the Lord and serve Him with what? One accord. So the prophet says, let me tell you what God says. Now that we've reached the four corners of the earth, He's going to do a work in the days to come and He is going to restore to all the nations, to all the peoples, this, this language, this one language. It's a pure language. Now, a pure language is a language without uh, curse words in it, without foul language in it. Sounds like to me it would be a heavenly language. It's not an earthly language. I've studied the Hebrew language. It's got curse words in it. I've studied the Greek language. It's got curse words in it. And you know English. It's got... But there's a pure language. And he's using this word restore, which means to give back. In other words, it once was there, and I'm going to give it back to my peoples, to the nations of the world. Come on now. And he says, and they, and, and, and he says uh, that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. Now, on the day of Pentecost, that Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, to tarry and wait until you receive this power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes and you're endued with on high from, with power, He says, wait in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? One accord. He uses the same phraseology as that the prophet spoke of uh, hundreds of years before. Hallelujah. So it's not a Honda that he was talking about here. I promise you. He was telling, he's using this language to get our attention that this is the prophecy that is being fulfilled here. This is the promise of God. Hallelujah. So here's Zephaniah talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to restore to the peoples a pure language. He's going to give it back to us. I'm going to give you... <coughs> the nations of the earth, this pure language that from this one, that from this one language you, that has no profanity, it's pure, and it's going to, uh, when you come and speak it, nothing would be withheld. There's nothing, nothing proposed would be withheld from you. Praise God. Now, why is that so? Because it's a pure language. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a pure language so there's nothing impure being said. So now it's safe that nothing would be withheld from us of what we're saying. Because it's the Spirit of God speaking, empowering us, speaking through us. It's helping us communicate spirit to spirit. Now in our soulish realm, in our physical realm, that which was uh, you know, living here on earth and we were dead in spirit before we were born again, our old man was dead, the Bible says, uh, there, we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. A resurrection power raised our spirit up and we were made alive in Christ when we confessed faith in Jesus Christ. So now this spirit man, which was not leading us because it was dead in sin and dead in his trespasses, is now how God wants to guide us. He wants to guide you by, by spirit, not by what you see. He said, don't walk by, by sight, walk by faith. So now we're moving into a spiritual realm so he's given us guidance in the spiritual realm of communication with him, spirit to spirit, with a pure language. Hallelujah. Now the unfortunate thing, I've heard people making fun of others who are praying in their language or just starting out in their prayer language and they're laughing how disjointed and, and, uh, and, and you know, silly it may sound to the soulish ear, 
But I say at least they have the courage to try. At least they have the courage to try. And as your pastor, I want nothing but the best for you. I don't want anything bad. I want nothing but the best, God's best for you. And that's why I'm sharing this truth with you and making my life transparent to you so that you would have the courage to step out into the will of God in this area of your life as well. Because let me tell you what, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's holy, He's pure. He is not, He has no ill will. He has no bad plans. This is God. Without Him, you'd already been dead. Without Him, you'd be spending eternity in hell. He's a good, good God. And He has a plan that goes beyond the limitations of what you can see and hear in the natural as we are now connected with Him in the supernatural. He, we are we are the natural coming under His super so that He can work through us His supernatural will and way. Praise God. So I want to I encourage you to have the courage not to go by what naysayers and, and, and be afraid of what religious folks say, but just to get in the Word of God. Paul says, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. He says, I wish that all of you would pray in the Spirit. Paul in another place says, I not only pray in the Spirit, but I sing in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And he said, now, 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 there's folks that get a little freaked out when they hear someone praying in the Spirit out loud or singing in the Spirit out loud because they want to run back to that, that charge in Corinthians where the church of Corinth was being overtaken by tongues. Uh, everybody wanting to speak in tongues and not let any preaching go on, not let any worship go on. It was just tongues, tongues, and tongues. And Paul said, no, 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 no. You're getting, I know you're excited and you're exuberant and you're passionate. He said, but we got, we got, to, we got to be taught the Word of God too. And we've got to take time to worship God too. So, so let it be a message to the congregation in tongues, two, three at the most, and it has to have interpretation. Some people would take that and say, oh, I, I, I don't want to ever hear somebody pray in the Spirit. Let me tell you what. That is, that is not what Paul was saying. As I can come in here and I can sing in the congregation, I can sing in English, I can sing in the Spirit. And as I come here in congregation and pray in English, I can pray in the Spirit. Okay? Now, when I come to take a microphone to get everybody's attention, now what Paul says applies because we need to benefit the body, the whole body. But when you're individually on this altar, standing or at your seat, you feel at liberty. Let me tell you, you feel at liberty. There's nothing wrong with you praying in the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with you singing in the Spirit when we're praying together and singing together. Now, if you start doing it all by yourself, we're going to stop and we're going to give you the, a, a moment and then we're going to expect an interpretation. Because if you're taking the attention of the whole congregation... There has to be an interpretation, the Bible says. Do you see? So it's not either or, don't do, or let's be safe. I heard someone say, I'd rather err on the side of safety. So we're just not going to, I heard one, just one preacher say, so we're just not going to forbid it. If you want to do it, do it in your closet at a prayer. We forbid it in the house of God. And I'm like, I can't believe he's saying that. Because he doesn't want to operate with biblical guidelines. He's just going to say, we're going to do away with it all together. Wow. Wow. Here God is restoring, in one accord, restoring a pure language. The very language that when the people were with one accord and speaking that language, God said nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. 
because they've tapped into the source of power. Let me tell you what, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And He knows His will better than you do. And when you pray in the Spirit and when you sing in the Spirit, let me tell you what, you are giving vocalization uh, to, you are lining up with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and where there may be chaos and empty and void, now the Spirit of God is bringing light. The Spirit of God is bringing life. The Spirit of God is separating what needs to be separated. And we need that in our lives. Thank you, Lord. One of the most empowered lives you'll ever live is to live a Spirit-filled life. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Wow, is that almost 9 o'clock? Brother Harry, you should have called me and said, Brother, my bed's calling me. <laughs> wow, they moved that clock up there and I didn't even see it. Sorry about that, guys. But I tell you, I love this. I love this subject, the subject of God. This is God. Let's not just serve God the Father, God the Son. We got to serve God the Holy Spirit as well. He is God. Amen. And I want to see you empowered. I just, Father, I just pray over your people now. Lord, I pray that each and every one of them Lord, would have an understanding or a better understanding of how to operate and to flow in your spirit, Lord God, and how to communicate with you and how to usher in the presence and your power in and through their lives. Lord God, that I pray that they would have the courage, the courage to step on biblical grounds and begin, if they're not, praying in the Spirit, maybe in their quiet time uh, tonight, Lord God, and in the morning, Lord, that they would just step out in courage and say, I want to participate with you, God. I want to commune with you, God, Spirit to Spirit, not only with the limitations of my soulish mind, but Lord God, I want to step into the faith realm, Lord, and I want my spirit man to be built up, and I want my spirit man to be strengthened and made whole and Lord God I need your anointing over every area of my life so I'm just going to open up the floodgates Lord and let you flow I'm not going to quench you but I'm going to let you burn hallelujah I'm just not going to I'm not going to stifle you I'm just going to let you be free so Lord I just pray God as I give my life to you Jesus as I surrender to your lordship I surrender to the will of your spirit as well so Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, flow through me. You said that if a child was to ask his father for a piece of bread, would that father give him a stone? You said if that son asked his father for some fish to eat, would he give him a scorpion? You said, Jesus, how much more will the father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I pray, God, that every one of us would begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we begin to ask you, God, give us the Holy Spirit. Give us your Holy Spirit. Give us a greater measure, Lord God. Help show us anything we're doing to hinder and to hold you back but so that you can flow, Lord God, through us like a, like a mighty river. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, as we go into this night, we give you the praise and we give you the glory. God, bless your people. Strengthen each and every one of them as we go now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.